What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Sorry to Interrupt podcast, episode 86. This is a Monday rundown on a Tuesday, brought to you, as always, by SorrySports.com. This week, Sean and I started off by talking about some NFL news. Before we went over the draft, we talked about the Tyreek Hill situation. After that, we recapped the entire draft, told you what we thought about the first round, couple other notable picks and then obviously we went a little bit more in detail about the Jets and the Giants after that we talked NBA playoffs the second round is underway and we went around the league Um, and then following that we talked Yankees baseball and then we talked about a new prospect coming up that we're both really excited about and finally we had another episode of Thrones porn brought to you by sorry sports on Twitter at sorry sports so enjoy the pod. Uh, check out two articles. We have a Mike Phillips article running now on SorrySports.com about Daniel Jones. And then Sean will be releasing an article on SorrySports.com about the Yankees very, very soon. So enjoy the pod. everybody welcome back to the start to interrupt podcast we're here for a monday rundown we're a day late this week but it's all good man tom what's going on we got a lot to discuss bro it's all about good karma today that's what it is for me is it yes how are you buddy we're doing great we're good, doing good, great good. i know that you said that a little mockingly yesterday when we talked for the first time no 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 it's not mockingly and i'll explain why after we talk about our first story can't here. wait to hear it but yeah and so we'll unfortunately yeah, we're going to get to the draft, and, and before we get to the draft and, and what we're going to lead off with the show is um, we're going to get Frenchie back on later this week, and he's going to give draft grades on uh, all 32 of the first-round picks in addition to how the Jets and Giants did give them overall grades in addition to all of their draft picks and then kind of give his biggest surprises and disappointments from the draft. So we're I looking what that might be. Yeah, we're, we're looking forward to that. Um, so... You know, we'll give our takes, and then we'll have Frenchie back on to give his analysis. Excited for that. We also have uh, Mike Phillips wrote another article reacting to the Daniel Jones thing. Doesn't seem like he's too excited about it. And then we're going to be throwing up another article from you about the New York Yankees later Correct. tonight. So that will be exciting. And then is Frenchie writing another article for us? Yeah, Frenchie's going to take care off of an injury right now. Um, little what is it? A pinch nerve, pinch in, his nerve neck. in the neck. Yeah, no, that's never tough too to write. Good. But you know what? Get well soon, Frenchie. That's coming from the CEO. Sorry, Sports. We need you He'll here. He'll power buddy. through it. He'll power um, through it. And I just need you to be a warrior. Yeah. And by the way, um, we're going to touch upon that. Yankee stuff a little later on on our rundown, but yeah. we got to start off before we get to the draft and the fun stuff and, you know, talking about all of what will be speculation. We got to lead with this terrible Tyree kill information and, and the Kansas city chiefs are very, very lucky that the NFL draft happened this weekend because they had a really bad week with the Tyree kill situation. And then subsequently trading for and signing Frank Clark, who has his own very bad past uh, as far as domestic violence is concerned. But let's get into Tyreek Hill. We're going to lead with that. Um, if this guy's not on the NFL commissioner's exempt list within by the first day of minicamps, I, I don't know what to do. I, this is the most disturbing, and it sounds like a broken record. And trust me, guys, like we don't. Tom and I discuss what we're going to talk about with our pre-show notes, and we discuss what we want to talk about. And I can promise everybody listening who's heard me rant about Reuben Foster, who's heard me you know rant about... Uh, Kareem Hunt, 
I don't want to do this. You don't want to do this. Nobody wants to do this. It's not fun to talk about these kind of situations. You can't imagine people are this bad, but clearly not only are people this bad, NFL players, most notably people taken by the Kansas City Chiefs organization, are this bad. Um, so the Tyreek Hill audio came out um, after he was released last month by the Chiefs, and it was of him telling his wife, his girlfriend, of uh, who's, you know, child. Fiance. Yeah, fiance, who, you know, they share a three-year-old child together, is saying how she needs to be terrified of him, too, after, you know, how the how their son would go into school with a broken arm because the routine was anytime he did something that upset Tyree Kill, he was conditioned to open up his arm and Tyree Kill punch the living crap out of the arm to the point where his chest would be battered and bruised, his arm would be broken. Uh, or very damaged and injured, and that's just what you're conditioned to when you're that little and you don't know He's anything three years else. Old, three years mind. old. Not that it's ever right to... Um, but three years old, it's... To you violently know, beat a kid. When he's saying, There's going to school, saying that I'm ter- I'm scared of dad. Why would he say that? The audio comes out, and he's like, well, you, you need to be scared of me too. Uh, this is... You know, we always say the audio and the video makes it worse because you have an image. Now you have a sound bite. It's not just going based off of reports. You know, the cases were dropped while they're about to be reopened after this situation. Now he's not on the Kansas City Chiefs. They cut him to me. I don't really give a shit about that. Um, John Dorsey, who is now running the show in Cleveland, signed Kareem Hunt, who he drafted in Kansas City. Tyree Kill is now off of the roster uh, who was drafted by John Dorsey when he was the GM in Kansas City. This is a culture problem. This is an NFL league-wide problem. This is a John Dorsey problem. This is a Kansas City Chiefs operational organization problem. And this is a human problem. Uh, we can't stress that enough. This guy can never play football again. Yeah, because this hasn't been his first time. I mean, going into the draft, he had a first or an early second round grade on him, and I think he fell to the fourth round because of this. Period. He like beat he was, up his wife, who was pregnant with the child at the uh, fiance, who was pregnant with the child at the time, and threw her downstairs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's going to create you to fall. But yeah. again, it takes one GM, and to me, the systematic issue when I said it's a Kansas City Chiefs problem. Listen, John Dorsey's not there anymore. Now, yeah, he couldn't wait to scoop up his guy Kareem Hunt when uh, knowing that he's with the Cleveland Browns now. And he'll deal with whatever suspension. I think they might have given it out. I think he got eight games. Yep, Six games, eight season. games. So, regardless, it doesn't matter. You have a chance to get a talent. This is a this is a Hunt situation. Clark, Clark Hunt, the owner of the Kansas City Chiefs, he's the one constant. These guys never get a chance to play, never get a chance to be drafted, never get a chance to practice unless the owner welcomes them in their building. The owner's welcoming in their building, and it just shows, you know, it doesn't matter. If you have a talent, if you have a skill set, people want to watch you play on Sundays, the fantasy owners can't wait to scoop you up and have you represent their team. It's a machine. It's a, It doesn't matter. Humanity is totally stripped from this whole situation, yep. and uh, it's sickening. I mean, we listened to the audio together earlier just to make sure we were prepared to talk about it on the show, and it's really disturbing. If you're not put off by that, then I don't know what you're going to be put off by. Yeah, and this is, this is, in my opinion, a lot worse than the Kareem Hunt thing. I'm not saying that what Kareem Hunt done, did was okay. I'm saying from the Kansas City Chiefs standpoint because – by all accounts, Kareem Hunt had never had her history of doing this. So if you don't know, you don't know. 
Kareem Hunt clearly isn't a great guy, and, and he, maybe he can rehabilitate himself, but Tyreek Hill had a pass to this before they even picked him in the draft. So And then they're the team to bring in to bring in uh, Frank, Frank Clark. Clark from Seattle, who has his own issues, and they were happy to give him a five-year deal. You know why? Because he makes their team better. But would it be? I wouldn't be surprised one bit if we find out something else happened with him. And that's not for me to say he's a terrible guy and he can't rehab himself, but and and clean up his image. But you know what? If you're capable of doing that kind of shit once, you're capable of doing it again. There's yeah. no doubt about that. So. It really sucks to lead off with that, but that's big news. I'm just hoping to see Goodell. The NFL needs a culture change. We've been screaming about it. A lot of people have been screaming about it from all media platforms. Nothing seems to get done, but this has to stop. These guys cannot continue to get away with this and believe that they're going to get a slap on the wrist, an eight-game suspension, a four-game suspension, a two-game suspension, whatever, and then play again, make millions of dollars, and have it you know swept under the rug. It's not okay. Uh, I, we're obviously sick of talk, talking about it. Everybody else is too. So thank God now we can get on to something that is a little more fun to talk about, and that's what happened in the NFL draft. So we're going to react to some of the most notable selections in the first, and I think the best place to start is at that number one pick. There was a little talk that maybe he wasn't going to go there, but it seemed like the writing was on the wall. Tom, Kyler Murray was the number one pick in the draft by the Arizona Cardinals. People had been talking about it and then talking off of it. Are we surprised after all this? I mean, it all kind of lined up. They subsequently traded Josh Rosen for, what, a second and a third Second rounder? and a third, yep, um, to Miami. To, my, to the Miami Dolphins, who seem to have locked in on their quarterback of the future, hopefully for them. And... All signs pointed to go on this one. Um, Kingsbury gets his guy. He's electric. Now it's just a kind of wait-and-see thing. Yeah, they think he's going to change the tide of that franchise. He's hoping for Pat Mahomes right now. Absolutely. And you know what? It's it's seldom that a GM gets to keep his job after moving up in the draft to take a guy in the top 10 and then ditch him because they were so bad that they have the number one overall pick, bring in a new head coach, and let him draft another quarterback. Usually GMs do not get up from that, but um, the the GM there in Arizona will. a smooth talker. Hey, you know what? We're all going to find out what, what ended up being the right move or not. But, yeah, so Kyler goes number one. We're going to go um, – Nick Bosa went number two to San Francisco. That was inevitable. No surprise there. Uh, best pass rusher. And then we get to number three. And, Tom, we're going to talk about the whole Jets and just get your reaction of the Jets draft when we wrap up talking about what we took away from the first round. But you guys got Quinn and Williams at number three. Todd McShay said he was the best player in the entire draft on his big board. We obviously knew Frenchie was a big fan of him. Would you take from this pick? They didn't end up trading this pick. I'm actually really happy with it because they didn't trade and whatnot. I think you got the best player available. They went that route, and I'm very, very ecstatic about it. Obviously, we need a little more offensive help. They they cleaned that up a little bit later in the draft with the offensive line pick. Didn't really like the tight end pick. I'm not going to lie to you there, mm-hmm. but we'll talk about that a little bit later. With this pick solely with Quentin Williams, he's, he's a big guy in the middle. He's going to help out the entire defensive line and he's just going to make he's just going to create a lot wreak a lot of havoc and create a lot of pressure on that quarterback as well he's going to help out Leonard Williams a lot absolutely those two guys in the middle is there a better front than those two it's going to be hard to run on the Jets defense and that's good and he can rush the passer too Mm -hmm. he's he's not a pre he's not a you know prototypical pass rusher but he gets after the quarterback he was a force at Alabama anchor of that defense and um like I said, McShay believed he was the best player in this draft. 
And it was interesting to see because I know you were an advocate, you know, after talking to Frenji and, and through this process, you were like, you know what, trade back, get another, get more good players. But if you have Quentin Williams at three, I mean, that's a guy of talent. He got an A-plus grade um, from Matt Miller, Bleacher Report. I mean, it's hard to pass up a guy like that. That's a, I think that's that was a, their That's their a defense franchise-altering talent right there. With him and Leonard Williams, who's another A-plus guy, the sky's the limit for that defensive line. I, I think it was a great pick. I think it was a great pick. And continue. The Jets addressed the offense a lot in free agency and via trades. So you have the best player available in the draft that's a defensive player. Fortify that defensive line. But we all know your secondary is pretty solid, especially in the safety position. Oh, hell yeah. So Marcus May that. and Jamal Adams. Yeah. Absolutely. And anchor up that D-line. So. The Oakland Raiders were next, and I could not believe this when I saw this. They took Cleland Farrell, number four overall. Yeah, I think he was projected by 95% of experts to go in the 17 to 20 range. Yeah, Frenchie had him at number 17 in his mock. I'm, I'm confused. I, I don't know what's going on there. Again, our fucking guy, man, Gruden. Like, wants to be smarter than everybody else. Listen, I'll have him on the pod if this guy's a pro bowler. Listen, I think he's going to be a really good player. I don't not at think four. not, but at four, when Josh Allen was when st- Josh Allen, a guy who could not replace, but could at least kind of heal you a little bit from your guy that you kind of traded away in Khalil Mack, is sitting right there, a player that kind of is the light version of Khalil Mack. Yeah, you can go out and get that guy, and instead you get Claylin Farrell. And Cleveland Farrell's a really good player, but at four, no, no it's disrespect, absurd. no disrespect. Cleveland Farrell on the pod anytime you want, brother, anytime. But I just don't fucking get it. There's a few things that I don't get out of this draft, and that's one of them. It's one of them for sure. And you know, you also had Devin White on the board, the linebacker, and and we know we know he would fit great in Gruden's defense. He's but be really good in Tampa Bay. He went to Tampa Bay. And then we get to number six. Before we start talking about this, I'm not. Everybody's probably expecting me to make fun, poke fun, kind of poke the bear a little bit, get you a little riled up. Go ahead. The Knicks have the draft lottery coming up, the biggest day of the season for the Knicks, which is terribly sad. And they also have pending free agency coming up. So in the spirit of good karma, I am going to treat you like a king today. So again, this is in your best interest. It's in all Knicks fans' best interest. Oh, my God. I'm crossing sports here, but in, in, in the spirit of good karma for me, I am going to treat you like a king today because if the Knicks get – if I make fun of you, I just got this feeling. I saw it coming. The Knicks get the fourth overall pick or the, the third overall pick, and then KD somehow finds his way to Brooklyn – and I just find you just losing your fucking mind and just having the last laugh. And I just, as CEO of Sorry Sports, I just can't have that happening. So with that being said, the Giants with the sixth overall pick take quarterback out of Duke, the only player drafted from Duke. Is he the only player drafted from Duke ever? No. Well, he seems like the only player drafted from Duke ever. Daniel Jones, they took their quarterback I will say this one thing, and I don't mean this disrespectfully. Keep the good karma. You're my guy. You're my COO. Seemed like about 30 picks too early. About 30. So why don't you go ahead, Sean? Because I know you've been talking yourself into this, and I'm not going to make fun. It's hilarious that you are. I, I, I want to so bad. 
but go ahead. I'm going to let you talk me and everybody that listens to this podcast into this. You're such a bad guy. Um, all right. Good so, karma, bro. Good vibes all around. Yes, yes, Throwing yes. them up in all the right, air. So, this was, I'm happy for you. All right. So this is what happens. Josh Allen's on the board. I know the Giants are targeting quarterback in the first round. But Josh Allen's on the board. Number six, you get your next franchise pass rusher. I was ready to lip sync Roger Goodell's pick of Josh Allen, Kentucky defensive end. And no, it's Daniel Jones, quarterback, Duke. Obviously, I'm not going to be a fraud. I wanted Dwayne Haskins. I said Dwayne Haskins was my favorite quarterback in this draft, even right up there more so than Murray. But Murray was not going to happen anyway. I loved everything about Dwayne Haskins. 50 touchdowns, broke the Big Ten record, one-year starter, prototypical quarterback body, can make all the throws, won the Rose Bowl, grew up a Giants fan. Everything about him was great. And he's there, and I always said, all right, I know the Giants like Jones. And lead, even from when we did the pod with Frenchie up until the draft, that was five days, it was becoming evident that teams really liked Daniel Jones, and he was soaring up draft boards, including that of the Giants. Okay. I, I, I even said, you know what, if they take him at 17, or if they move 37 and 17 to 10, get your either Devin White or your top pass rusher or – whomever, your offensive lineman, and then you take your quarterback. And they take him at six. And when it happened, I couldn't believe it. And then the draft continued to happen, and Haskins kept falling, and the Dolphins passed on him, probably because they knew they were going to be able to trade for Rosen. But still, if they believed that Haskins was better than Rosen, they would have drafted Haskins. The Broncos passed on Haskins. And the Redskins, who everybody said loved him, let him fall right to them and didn't seem any semblance of urgent to move up and make sure that they got him. And then there's Drew Locke, who I also really liked and said, if the Giants don't get Haskins, I'm good with Drew Locke. Took him till the 42nd overall pick by the Broncos, which they traded their picks up because they used their first second round pick on another player. So clearly, teams were not viewing the other quarterbacks that I really wanted very high. So let's take, let's take this out for what it is. I was screaming the whole time. I didn't really like Jones. But I also said, we're at a time now because you didn't take the quarterback. Gettleman, this is the Giants organization in 2018. You take the running back. You believe Eli has two at least two years left. And this draft because they didn't believe they were going to be drafting this high. They were. You cannot pass on your next franchise quarterback. And if they tell me and all the other fans that they believe that Daniel Jones is the guy that after a year of sitting behind Eli and with the tools that he already possesses, which I'll get into in a second, he can step in and be the next Giants Super Bowl winning quarterback and anchor that team for 15 years. I don't agree with it, but I... Not going to lie, I never watched the kid play. I just heard his scouting reports. I watched Haskins play. I watched uh, Will Greer and Drew Locke play. Obviously, Kyler. I, I thought that Haskins was the guy. But if they, through all of their 
player development guys, through their scouting, through everything. In their interviews, they see Daniel Jones as the future franchise quarterback of the New York Giants. I have to believe that that's the right move because at least they showed conviction. I would not have liked to see them take another quarterback in the second or third round saying, oh, we've got a guy who's you know a little bit of a project but really good. No, you can't afford to do that because that's how you get stuck in quarterback purgatory. This might be the wrong pick or this, or this might prove everybody wrong, but I have no choice as a fan, especially going off of what happened to the other top quarterbacks in this draft other than Murray, to believe that they got their guy. He's not stepping in and starting week one this year. This is Eli's team, and hopefully Eli has this team good enough where Jones doesn't have to see the field in a meaningful minute of the season. And in 2020, we're talking about him as stepping in as the quarterback. Things what I didn't really like about him. A, he had a terrible win-loss record at Duke. I like quarterbacks that win. Dwayne Haskins won a Rose Bowl. I really like that. Okay, you also played in a pretty shitty conference, the ACC. Yeah, you're top-heavy with Clemson. There's really nobody else, especially since Florida State's taken a step back. Virginia Tech. He doesn't have... Yeah, Vod Tech's nice. They're nice. They're, it's a nice nice team. They always finish in the top 25. They're nothing super special. West Virginia. No, no, no. West Virginia's in the Big 12. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so I don't care about college I football. I know, I'm but sorry, it, that's okay. Just, they're not in the ACC. Um, Daniel Jones doesn't have the strongest arm. I like a quarterback with a really strong arm. However, as an, as an Eli Manning fan, Eli's never had the strongest arm. He's been a good down-the-field thrower, but he's never had the strongest arm. And in Pat Shermer's offense, you don't run a lot of deep passes. Things I like about Daniel Jones is he's very athletic. He... Todd McShay or uh, Mel Kiper Jr. said he's the best uh, thrower on the run of the, all the quarterbacks in this draft because he's used to being flushed out of the pocket with no protection. His wide receivers dropped almost everything that was thrown to him or thrown to them rather. And he's a really, really smart, high character kid, which are things you look for. I saw one funny quote. It was like, Daniel Jones is the guy, is the actor that gets cast to play Eli Manning in a movie about Peyton Manning. Which I thought was hilarious. Which, <laughs> oh, shit. Which, is like, <laughs> the, he, which means he's a clone. And obviously they said, you know, he's, he's from the David Cutcliffe uh, tree at, who was uh, Peyton's position coach at Tennessee and Whatever. Eli's head coach at Ole Miss. Whatever. And did the Manning passing academies That's and all that cool. shit. Yep. That's cool. Exactly. If I have enough money, I'll probably, if this blows up, send my kid to that too. I'll, I'll buy a building. I'm not going to lie and say that I love this pick. But seeing what happened, the rest of the quarterbacks in this draft, maybe there's something to him being rising up the draft boards. All I know is that the Giants finally put conviction in Eli's replacement. Hey, if it works out, it works out. I'll take another Eli, even if he's not a perennial pro bowler, even if he's not killing it in the fantasy world. Shit, man, if he wins two Super Bowls, you won this draft. In 2004, the Giants could have very happily had Phillip Rivers, who's been one of the best quarterbacks, probably a Hall of Famer. You have Ben Roethlisberger, who won two Super Bowls also. Ernie, of course, he showed conviction in Eli Manning. That was his guy. Eli's won two Super Bowls. Giants fans now want him out. When you look back on the history of the New York Giants and you see Eli Manning's career, that's a really damn good career for a first-round quarterback. So, Or he's a career backup. 
or he has a Mark Sanchez type kind of career and he fizzles out and you know what? This is what Dave Gettleman's going to be judged on. This is what he's going to be judged on. It, there's no it, either it works or it doesn't, but as a fan, I have no choice. I'm not wishing ill upon him. And real quick, just to say this, for everybody that shits on Daniel Jones and all these draft picks that get taken, I hate how they end up shitting on the kid. Kid worked this entire fucking life his ass off to get drafted. He didn't force the Giants to draft him. The Giants draft. So when you see a fan base just boo him in mass, you know what? Shit on Gettleman. Shit on Shermer. Shit on Mara. Don't shit on the kid. He didn't ask for it. He got taken and good for him. We'll find out if this is the right pick or not. That was not very convincing. But listen, I'm here for it. What you. am I supposed to say? No, you're a fan. You're handcuffed to him. That's why Sam Darnold's my baby boy. I don't know, but uh, I got a root for him. I don't have a choice. Not very convincing, but you know I'm in your corner, buddy. I got your back for everything. If you need a ride home after this or anything, I drove you here, need bro. food, anything like that, I got you, no, man. No, I'm good. Good karma all around. Sending out good vibes. Let's go Knicks in a couple weeks. Hopefully we get that. We win that Zion. What are you going to do if just hypothetically it doesn't happen? But I don't want to talk about that, okay. all right? I'm all trying right. to do some Oprah Winfrey shit and speak it into existence. Yeah, no, this is very nice. All right, good karma, good vibes all around. I hate to tell you, but this has... He's a sixth pick. You know who the Jets took with the sixth yep. pick? 2009. I, I, I watched that. It was part of my formative years. Um, I watched him take us to... Two straight AFC back, championship games. AFC championship games. But I also watched that Thanksgiving day with the butt fumble. Yep. And, and I, I watched that video where, now, you know, he showed his butt crack. Yep. And I'm I'm telling you, man, I, I really, I see, I, I'm sure the kid's good. I'm sure he is. I mean, he, he looks like a quarterback. I guess if it walks like a duck and, and whatever, it's a duck. But I think he's going to be throwing a lot more ducks out there than than what you want. I'm sorry. Yeah, I listen, just wish it's you the a, best. It's a it's a it's a stretch, it's a reach in my opinion, but listen, my opinion a doesn't reach. mean anything. I mean, I don't know. I think Gettleman's just trying to be the smartest guy in the room. Well, you know what happened here too is that I don't think he's getting nearly enough talk is John Mara was at that pro day. And believe that there was some ownership involvement in this pick, as was the for Saquon last year. And the other thing with Haskins is Dwayne Haskins and uh, who's the owner there? And Dan Snyder in, in yeah, Washington. They went to the same high school, high school and Snyder loved him. And apparently Snyder took over the draft room. But that didn't stop the Giants from taking him six and not giving what's-his-face a chance to take him at 15. No, but what I'm saying is, is that he was at 15. Who knows how great Haskins is going to be? I liked him a lot. Listen, there's been a lot of quarterbacks that I've really liked that, I've, that have come out of college. I'm like, wow, yeah, I was wrong. I was really wrong. And then there were some that I didn't think a whole lot of that have turned out to be, I mean, I'm going to tell you, and I'm definitely not comparing the two because they're not, as a quarterback, not even close. But did you ever watch Pat Mahomes in college? I didn't watch Texas Tech games. It's a big 12. The kid was never one shit and goes to a really solid infrastructure in Kansas City, obviously, albeit all the other character shit aside. But as far as talent around him, and he – gets to sit a year behind a pro and he turns into this. Jones doesn't have nearly the arm that Mahomes does or, or any of those kind of tools. But if you sit behind a proven commodity 
shit, who knows? The Giants expect Even to be better. Even if he's wheelchair bound. Yeah, next year. the Giants expect to be better, especially by 2020. I mean, their offensive line is much better now. They do have some good guys in the skills positions. So the rest of the draft, I really liked what the Giants did. But this whole draft is going to go down as the uh, the Daniel Jones draft. Before we get into the rest of the Giants and Jets, we'll do that later. A couple other notable first-rounders. The Steelers traded up to get Devin Bush from Michigan. I think that's a good trade. That's a really good move. Especially when... Um What's his face had that neck contusion? Ryan Shazier. Ryan Shazier. Yeah. Oh, that wasn't a neck contusion. He's that's like a that's like a spinal cord injury. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, it was really bad, and yeah. I'm glad to see him walking again. But I don't think he's ever going to play football again. No. So, you need a linebacker that can uh, run sideline to sideline, and supposedly this guy can do that. Not as well as Shazier when he was in his prime, but almost. So. Yeah, great athlete and and very versatile. Yeah, he he fits Pittsburgh like a glove, right? You know, when they have those really good linebackers that they're just at their best. We talked about the Redskins landing Haskins at 15. They didn't have to trade up for him. He fell right to him. There was no way they were going to pass up on him there. They don't have a quarterback because they have five on their roster. So now they finally have the one. I expect this guy to walk in and play week one. You have your Colt McCoys of the world. You have your Josh Johnsons of the world. I think Colt McCoy is going to start it off, to be honest with you. Yeah. I think he's going to win that starting job. Just because I mean, you just don't he's see the, what the Jets did last year a lot. You just don't see. You're, tr- you're right. Honestly, I, I just think Colt McCoy is going to start because traditionally teams don't just throw the rook out there. And the, Yeah, maybe they'll do what one. Cleveland did, which was you know start Tyrod Taylor the first two or three weeks until you realize exactly. how bad he is, and then you, you make the move for the, for the electric rookie. And McCoy is one of those guys that, he could win a week one game. Uh, week he could he could be like Fitzpatrick. He's had those runs. Yeah, I look at him more like a Tyrod Taylor, where he could win a game or two, um, and play well enough and conservative enough and manage the game enough. But I think we're gonna see Haskins, Haskins a lot sooner rather I than later. I just don't think it'll be week one. Okay, and you know what? You make a good point. I mean, I don't know why Cleveland didn't start Baker week one last year, and it was simply just because. We're just not going to put what, you out. Could have made the playoffs if they did. If they did, yeah, he came in that uh, that Thursday night game against your Jets, right? That was when because Tyrod Taylor was getting getting destroyed. So we're talking about another quarterback, and this was shocking to me, not to the team in which he went to, but Where? certainly when. And that was Drew Locke falling all the way to number forty-two in the draft to Denver. What did you take from this? Obviously, people are worried about his decision. They're not worried about the arm. They're not worried about the talent. They're worried about his decision-making skills, period. And this gives him a chance to start to uh, start on the bench behind Joe Flacco. And I don't know, has, has John Elway finally found a quarterback that maybe can be second best behind him in Denver Broncos history? Maybe. I mean, I think... Not including Peyton Manning, but Peyton, we don't really but... count that. That's he's yeah, a cold. Right. On. Yep. No, I agree. I think it is a good situation that he's going into because I think that is Flacco's team, at least for a year. Um, but to Flacco, this is kind of like deja vu all over again, right? I mean, we saw it with Lamar Jackson getting picked, and you can see if he has a couple bad games. Yeah, I just think the fan base isn't tied to him. There was so much more hype behind Lamar Jackson than there is Drew Locke. And Lamar Jackson had skills that immediately played in the NFL. I mean, speed is speed. Yep. You but know? you know how fan bases are. I mean, you draft a quarterback early enough. Well, yeah, Flacco enough. has a couple of those you know, four-pick games. He's going to be yanked real quick. But I just don't think Locke is nearly as prepared as Jackson was just off playing style, period. No. you can. He can run for 100 yards a game every single game. Yep. 
and, and that just opens up a whole different type of offense, whereas this guy's a little more of a stationary quarterback, and he's just going to have to grip it and rip it. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with you there. Um, Greedy Williams, boy, did he take a nosedive. He, he went from Frenchie's number one corner, and he was taken all the way at number 46 in the second round by Cleveland. I, I tell you what, them, what man. a great pick. They took the corner, what, last year at number four, I believe. Um, Denzel Ward. Denzel Ward, and I think that they're going to have a really, really good secondary because I still like Greedy Williams. Oh, I do too, especially at this pick right here. He looks like a um, the guy that played for Philly that ended up, or he played in Oakland and then went to Philly. Was it Namdi Asamoa? Yeah, 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 yeah. The guy that couldn't tackle a paper bag, but he could cover with the best of them. He reminds me a lot of that. Asamoa fizzled out after he went to Philly. Ended up becoming an actor, believe it or not. But he had some great years with the Raiders. Fast guy, and he could cover anybody. And I see a lot of him in that. Yeah, I mean, the and that's kind of what people were talking about with with, uh, with Greedy was he's a buffet-style tackler. He's picks and chooses his times in which he wants to tackle. But, you know. And, he can this, lock you down. At this point in, in, in the NFL, if you're a, if you're a corner, you got to be able to cover. So now you slide him in there with Denzel Ward, and boy, is that a formidable yeah, tandem I'll tell you there what, you don't have to tackle secondary. that much when the, uh, when the ball's not getting thrown to the guy you're covering. Yeah, 100%. So that was a great value pick. I'm surprised he fell all the way there. He was the second corner taken behind um, the Giants moving up in the first to take DeAndre Baker. The other thing we'll finish up with before we talk about our Jets and Giants in totality, before getting away from the NFL draft, your boy DK Metcalf was the final pick in the second round, the ninth wide receiver taken in the draft. Wow. Doug Baldwin may never play a game again due to injuries. That's a smart guy. Maybe he's hanging it up early. I think he'll be a good replacement, and he'll be a nice burner. They got Lockett on the other side and a few other wide receivers that – um, or more possession, I think it was a good pick. I mean, if this guy hits, like Frenchie said, he's going to be a superstar. Absolutely. I just thought it was crazy because oh, yeah. I expected, you know, I definitely expected Marquise Hollywood Brown to go as the first one, A.J. Brown, the kid from Iowa State for sure, but I, I couldn't believe Metcalf was the ninth one. There were wide receivers taken that I hadn't even heard of. They weren't on Frenchie's five. I was like, who are these people that are getting – drafted ahead of uh getting drafted ahead of Metcalf but th- you're right this could be a situation where he goes to Seattle he's going to get you know he's a big body target there for Russell Wilson uh who signed his big deal most recently a couple weeks ago and this could be a great pick taken uh by the Seahawks so Tom I'm going to leave with you my man we've got the Jets draft right here so they got Quinn and Williams with their first pick they t- they took Jakai Polite who has had some a little bit of immaturity questions. Nothing terrible, but they they really questioned his character was around the draft, which is why he fell to the third round. Remember, the Jets didn't have the second. They took an offensive tackle, Shuma Idoga, uh, in their fourth pick. They took that tight end that you didn't really love, Trayvon Wesco. They took Blake Cashman, a linebacker, not Brian Cashman, and a cornerback in the final round. So what did you make of the Jets draft overall? They didn't really do a whole lot to address the offensive side of the ball. But I think they made some good picks here. Skill position-wise, they didn't really do anything. But again, they can still address that in free agency. There's still a, a couple of decent players out there that are looking for jobs. I love the first, uh, first what, three picks. Um, obviously, I like Quentin Williams. I mean, we already spoke about him. I like the guy polite. Again, there's there's questions across the board about character. 
But if he can get his shit together. And he had a horrible combine. But you know what? At Florida, he got after the quarterback. And that's all I give a shit about. When you're playing in pads and the lights are on, he got after the quarterback. And that's really what you need. And then, obviously, I like you taking an offensive tackle in the big man as well. And supposedly, he's a really good run. He's a really good running guy. Um, He'll help out the running game. Anybody that can block Sam Darnold is a friend of mine. Tight end. Can we get somebody that can catch a goddamn ball? I mean, I understand that he's going to be really good for the running game, help out Le'Veon Bell a lot. He can block. But those are guys that you don't you don't take that in the top couple rounds. You want to take a guy that that's, can be versatile on offense. And I understand the guy that was out of San Jose State was already off the board. I forgot where he went. Um, but just take somebody that can catch the fucking ball. Get a wide receiver and turn him into a tight end. Uh, you can get it. A blocking tight end off the scrap heap. I, I don't want that. The Giants did it. Mm-hmm. And then the other two, they're late round picks. I don't even know if they're going to make the squad. Yep. But again, we could use we could use another cornerback, being that they didn't retain Morris Claiborne. He may be back, but as far as now, he is not on the Jets. And linebacker help, you can always. Although they uh, they took a they took a linebacker in free agency this year, you can always use a little more help there. Yes. Yeah, I mean, C.J. Mosley being a Jets is a good thing. No, that that is an excellent thing. But, hey, he's not going to play every down. So what would you take from the draft? If you were to give it a grade just off you, obviously we'll get Frenchie's analysis B come plus. up. But yeah. B plus. That seems to be the For general the top consensus. Three picks because Quinn Williams is a is an easy, he's a no stud. doubt, A-plus pick. I mean, you took the best player available. Good job by you. If you don't need a quarterback, that's pretty much what you're doing in the draft. Polite again. He fell to you. Take the chance on him. It's like the Knicks last year and Mitchell Robinson. Take the chance on him. He's going to make the team. He'll be there. Let's just hope his character issues and his immaturity issues can kind of subside now that he's a professional. And I like taking the big offensive lineman. Yeah. Aside from that, let's wait and see. The only thing I don't like and the reason why I saw an A is because you took a tight end that can't catch the football. And in today's NFL where you're spreading the field out and it's a throwing game, not a running game, even with Le'Veon Bell, where you're going to be spreading him out wide as well, and you need a guy that can catch the football, and they do not have that. Yeah, uh, I echo everything you said. I mean, I, I really obviously love Williams. Polite has questions, but if he hits, he is now a big-time linebacker right there with Mosley, especially since you weren't able to secure Anthony Barr, uh, who who had that deal signed and then went back to uh, Minnesota. Yep. And then you get your your offensive tackle, who in Adoga is going to be really good for the running game, and he's going to protect Sam Darnold, and that's really what you're looking for. That offensive line was in shambles last year. Let's talk Giants. They had a lot more picks, and they had a lot more to do. I really love this Giants draft. Excluding or including the sixth pick? I already made my take on Jones. <laughs> I, I, I don't love him, but that's my opinion. All right, so give me a grade and explain why you're giving him that grade. I'm don't giving, tell me. I'm a. giving the Giants a B-plus in this draft. Okay. All right, and the only reason why is, is because of Jones. I love the fact they showed conviction in their quarterback of the future so that they believe. if they had not? If it was Haskins, I would have liked because I like Haskins better. Yeah, but yeah, again, I, I the last thing I'll say about him, and, and I'm not saying this to make myself feel better or other Giant fans feel better. Yes, you are. No, I'm not. If you because I said I was saying this all the way to the draft. I just wanted the guy to be Haskins. But if you identify a quarterback in the top couple picks 
that he is your guy and you are not going to be denied the chance to have him. If you think that he's either going to be gone or someone else is going to take him or you're going to have to trade draft capital to make sure you move up and get him, no, no good. You take the guy that you believe is your next franchise quarterback. That's what all the successful teams do who are looking for one in the early part of the first round. That's what they did. Enough on that. They had Dexter Lawrence, uh, or they had the number 17 overall pick from Cleveland in the Odell trade. And they took Dexter Lawrence, and I absolutely love this pick. This guy, remember, he was popped for the steroids and missed the national championship game. Good. I love Jesus. I don't give a shit about that in college football or the pros. It doesn't matter to me. Listen, if he gets popped again and suspended, what is it, two games, three games? Keep doing I, it. I don't give a shit. What did Edelman get suspended? Four? Yeah, it might be four. But listen, 365-pound just monster at nose guard and he can get after the quarterback. He's a much more athletic version of snacks. That's who he is. And why was Clemson's defense as great as it was? Yes. You had your Cleveland Farrells on the edges. You had a couple other first round picks on defense. You had Dexter Lawrence clogging up that middle that nobody could stop. He was just a force. And what I really like about this pick is this, you have BJ Goodson and you have, uh, Dalvin Tomlinson who are good run stuffers on that defense. Now you put Dexter Lawrence in the middle of those guys. You know who plays in the Giants division who can really run? Ezekiel Elliott. Oh, this I, is thought, uh, I thought you were going to say Alfred Morris. No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so it just got really hard to run on the Giants defense, and I like that a lot. So great pick there at 17. It's been applauded. Then they move up. They trade their 37th pick in addition to uh, one of their two fours. And they take DeAndre Baker at 30 uh, that they used in a trade with Seattle. This was an awesome pick that I did not see coming. DeAndre Baker was uh, Frenchie's number two corner, ended up behind Greedy Williams, ended up beating the first. And DeAndre Baker, starter at Georgia. We know those Kirby Smart defenses at Georgia. They're really good. DeAndre Baker is going to walk in and play right there with Janoris Jenkins on the other side. Remember, you have Sam Beal, who was the third-round compensatory last year who didn't play because he got hurt in training camp, who had a first-round grade on him. Um, you got now a much more strong defensive secondary. Well, yeah, with Beal, he could be a nice nickel corner as well. Yeah, exactly. So they got more versatile. So in their next two picks, they got a guy that's going to make running on them a lot harder and a guy who uh, and throwing on them a lot harder. And then in the third round, because they traded their second to get Baker, they take Oshane Zimenez out of Old Dominion. He is a pure edge rusher. He's a force. He's a guy that Frenchie highlighted in his French Five who he really liked as a sleeper. This guy had a first-round grade at one point, was coming off an injury. Obviously, you play Old Dominion. Unless you're somebody like a Cleo Mack out of Buffalo, nobody's really talking about you. But... He is a pure pass rusher who I think the Giants had zeroed in on, which is why they didn't go with Josh Allen at six, made sure they got their quarterback. They take Ryan Connolly in the fourth round, uh, linebacker out of Wisconsin. I like this pick. I don't know how great he is and how good his game's going to translate to the pro level, but I'll tell you this. He's got Alec Ogletree there with him to to help mentor him. He's mobile. I like those Big Ten linebackers. There's a couple positions in the Big Ten I really like, and that's offensive line, defensive line, and linebackers. And this guy was a team captain, really tough, started a majority of his games in college, was flying around. We obviously know that Wisconsin defense is always good. 
My cur- my personal favorite was, although he went to Auburn, was Darius Slayton, wide receiver. And watching a lot of Auburn games, hoping they'd lose, I tell you, this guy is a burner. And he's a really secu- really secure with the football, runs crisp routes, but he's a burner. And he gives the Giants wide receiving corp that next dimension that they don't have. You got Golden Tate, who's more of your professional route runner, knows how to get open, more productive out of the slot. You got Shepard, who's only worked out of the slot predominantly in his career. Now you got him going to be learning more on the outside game with Odell gone. Now you got your straight vertical threat and a guy that can really break off of a route and get open in Darius Slayton. That's a really good pick for the Giants there. It's a damn shame they have nobody to throw him that ball deep. A goddamn shame. Back to good karma, everybody. Good vibes only. Great pick. I hope Daniel Jones. I maybe he'll run for president after this. You're such a fucking bad guy. All right. Uh, finally, the last guy I'm really gonna highlight because this was a crazy story was cornerback Corey Ballantyne, and. The freaking guy on his draft night gets shot along with his teammate in a drive-by shooting. They were on campus. It's not like they were even doing anything wrong. They were celebrating being being taken. And you got to excuse me for the university that they went to. I forget. I know it's in, um, I believe it's in Indiana. Or it's in, it's in Kentucky. And the guy gets shot and he sees his, and his teammate got shot and killed. His teammate was drafted as well? No. But they were best friends, mm. and his teammate was shot and killed. And Ballantyne ended up in, in the hospital. He's expected to make a full recovery and literally report to many uh, rookie OTAs next week. Um, absolutely wild. Uh, a cornerback in the sixth round, again, you're going for depth. If he recovers all the way, maybe he slides in as a nice depth piece. You know, the last two guys, they take an offensive tackle and a defensive tackle guys who again are going to just be fighting for roster spots but overall i really like the giants draft i thought oh, they did well. a good job sorry we're gonna to, fi- um, see what happens with jones obviously that's the question right and we're not going to find out this year we're going to find out in a couple years this will make this will make or break the giants and how they do for the next five six years and dave gettleman's career the one thing i do want to say about gettleman is at least he will not leave the giants in shambles when as if they have to move on from the quarterback, because this will not be a Jerry Reese situation where literally nobody from 2012 to 2016 is on the current roster that they drafted. Gettleman has had a lot of his first overall uh, selections questioned. He has never had his mid round picks questioned. And you look at those Carolina teams, why they're still good is a lot of the guys that they drafted in the mid-rounds between 2013 and 2016 are still on that team, and not only on that team, but playing a lot of productive football. So it's not going to be a situation with Jerry Reese where you leave the the team decimated. Again, though, this is going to come down to the Daniel Jones draft, no Absolutely. matter how good. Because now that the trade is complete, you traded Odell Beckham Jr. for Jabril Peppers and Dexter Lawrence and Oshani Zimenez. Okay. Well, see how that goes. That's a tough pill to swallow. Um, to the cornerback, feel better. And uh, I'm sorry about your friend. If he listens, uh, welcome on the pod, obviously. Let's move on to some NBA. Talk some NBA playoffs. They're actually playing that, that sport. Uh, your Brooklyn Nets are done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we know that. Uh, but good karma, good vibes out there. Hopefully you guys get a B-grade, maybe a Jimmy Butler-type Free agent out Shit, there. Man, after seeing what he did last night. Whew. But let's talk about that. So we're going to talk about the Raptors and the 76ers. 
Kawhi has been having a great second series. Obviously, he had a good first one against my, um, the Ma- my Orlando Magic, Yours. but that didn't really matter anyways. He had 45 in the first game. That ties a career high, and he had 35 in this game. 76ers seemed to play him a little bit better, although you know he's going to get his. They contained him. Um, Embiid was sick in this game, supposedly. Something was wrong with him. He only had 12 points and I believe seven rebounds. Although he did have two of the biggest points in the game with a huge pump fake spin move layup, which I thought was a hell of a move by him. Um, And Jimmy Butler went off. He played like a top 10 player in the league. And he took over. And Kawhi versus Jimmy, it's going to be this whole series. It's going to be really interesting. They are tied 1-1. The Sixers got a game on the road. And this is anybody's series, my friend. Oh, I totally agree. I mean, obviously I had the the Raptors winning the East. But... This is going to be a really good series. I mean, obviously Philly doesn't it's not that bad if they lose a game 1 because they come back with vengeance in game 2. I'm really interested to see if this is the same old Raptors even though they have Kawhi. I think Kawhi is the best player on the court even with Embiid, but listen, there's a lot of star power on this in this series between these two rosters and if it's as entertaining as yesterday, I am all in for a 7 game series. Absolutely. Still need a little bit more out of Lowry. Yeah. Like a little bit. Hey, listen, I know he's older now, but he's it, that's not an excuse because he's really come up empty in a lot of big games in his playoff career. So I want to see, again, is this the same old Raptors or is this a Raptors team that's taken on a new persona with Kawhi? I think this one will go seven. I could really see it going seven. So let's move on to the next series because this one was interesting as well. The sex. Yeah. All right. Oh, shit. Jesus, Tom. Uh, The good karma is just killing me right now. (laughs) The Celtics win on the road in Milwaukee. And the Bucks just kind of look like they weren't there before, which I don't know if any of them really were on that team. Even Brooke Lopez really never made it out of the first round over there in Brooklyn. And... The Celtics, I mean, Kyrie was amazing. Jalen Brown's been playing great. That whole squad out there looks like they're coming around, ready to go. This one might go 7-2. The Bucks are up 10 right now on the Celtics, I think, in the third quarter. Um, you got to win at least one at home. Oh, yeah, they don't have a choice. Yeah, they got to win. This is a must-win that's not a must-win. Right. Um, man, you can't look better than Boston has in this postseason so far. When Kyrie plays like this and he just doesn't open his mouth about other nonsense and he's not temperamental this team is a juggernaut and it really does seem like Hayward has found himself finally after a whole season's worth of you know confusion and when do I take my time and when do I you know be a little more passive uh it seems like he's really found his groove yeah he only and now took, Horford by he the only way took eight shots in the last game but the offense seems to be running through him it doesn't the amount of shots you're taking, although he was probably taking like 20 in Utah, it's not always that. It's that it's how long the ball is running through you. Yep, and I got to say, Al Horford, He, I, I think, I mean, obviously Kyrie's the best player on that team, and you have Tatum and Brown, and you have Hayward, but I think that Horford's the most valuable Celtic. I mean, the, what he did against Giannis in that first game, blocking him a couple times on the same series, just adding that experience, adding that, toughness 
I, I think he's such an X factor in this series. Yeah, and it looks like from the Bucks, nobody came to play. I mean, Brooke Lopez was like 0 for 4. Chris Middleton didn't do well. Well, Giannis Aaron, didn't do well, and that team's no, not going to play well if Giannis has a game Giannis, like that. When they put up that wall against Giannis, he's expected and should kick it out for three, and Brooke Lopez missed a couple wide opens. Middleton missed a couple wide opens. I don't even know if Bledsoe played in that game. I think they're still looking for him. I don't know if he made it on the bus um, because he wasn't there. And, you know, I not I know we're not talking about um, Russell Westbrook or Dame Lillard or Steph Curry or any of these superstar players, but they could really use a Brogdon right now. Yeah, they really could use a, a Malcolm Brogdon right now. I mean, that guy's one of the best players on that team. He's probably second right there to Giannis, and he had a tremendous year. Losing him hurts. We'll see what happens tonight if they win game two. Everything changes, right? But if Boston finds a way to come back and win this game, I think this series could be over in five or six. Tough for me. Yeah, I mean, but again, it's that's the thing is, you know, you react to these game ones in the series because that's really all you can do. We're not going to sit here and be like, oh, well, you know, we'll talk in a couple days. Like, no, you got to analyze game ones. And, I mean, look how crazy we went over that Nets Sixer series with the Nets stealing game one. Budenholzer comes out with a much better game plan in game two. Yeah, and Giannis has to to play better. He can't have a game like that because no matter what his supporting cast is, if Giannis plays like that, they're not winning that game. Definitely. So let's move on to my eventual champions in the next series, the first series on the Western Coast, and that is the Golden State Warriors against the Houston Rockets. I do not want to talk too long about the referees. I'm so talk for a little bit. A little bit. Go ahead. Did the Rockets get hosed? I watched a few of those plays. Some of it was James Harden doing James Harden stuff, kicking his legs out, but there were some egregious non-calls there. He should have been to the free throw line at least two to more time, two to three more times. He shoots about ninety percent. That's probably what. If he goes three more times, that's probably six shots. Five points at least. They lost by what? Four. Four. Exactly. That's all I really got to say about the refs. I mean, I, I'm going to have to wait till the series goes on a little bit further. They play at 1030 tonight. You got to make some of those calls. But, again, you're playing at the pace that you need. If Maybe if you don't go 0 for, I believe it was 0 for 6 or 7 from 3 to start the game. We're talking about a different series right now. Harden had 35. He's going to get his. I'm getting a little nervous, you know. Capella had zero. Capella was terrible, and Capella was the missing piece in this entire series. Eric Gordon had 25. CP3 got his. They need Capella to get 10 points and 10. They need a double-double out of Tucker didn't score, but had some valuable minutes. I don't care. That's not his job. Yeah, P.J. Tucker is not out there to score. He'll bang a corner three every once in a while when he's wide open, but... He was 0 for 4, and P.J. Tucker's in there to give energy, defense, grab offensive rebounds, and fight out there. Just fight on every possession. He's not in there to do anything aside from that. You need the pick and... For the pick and roll to work, Capella has to be catching those balls. He fumbled one that was a terrible turnover, and he needs to be finishing those. Zero points is not going to cut it. And then from a Warriors standpoint, it looks like Klay Thompson might actually be hurt. It looks like Steph Curry is possibly banged up, but it doesn't matter when you have the baddest man on the planet right now playing at the highest level he's played at in a long time, and that's Kevin Durant, doing whatever he wants, whenever he wants. And honestly, if you're asking me and I'm rooting for the Warriors, I want them to get him the ball more. Now you're rooting for the Rockets. I am, but I'm giving you my point of view on both sides. Well, you said because you were I'm rooting good, for the Warriors. I am. 
I am. I said if. I said oh, if okay. I if I am a Warriors fan. Okay. Keep up with me here, buddy. Sorry. Keep up. I thought with you me. said, and I'm rooting for the Warriors. No, like, if I'm why? rooting for the Warriors, I want Durant. I want everything running through Durant. I, well, it looks like he that's the way it's hot going. As it can be. Yep. He's playing to a level that is really. You don't like to you, you you know people throw out the word unguardable and you know unstoppable. I think in hyperbole a lot. The way this guy shoots, shooting off one leg, and just draining shots, he's unconscious. He's well, not even keep thinking in mind, about it. He's seven feet tall. Oh, no, with I'm the well handle aware. Of the point I'm guard. well aware. Of it. And he can. But pass. when he's taking shots like that in the oh, low yeah. post and fading, I mean, literally, there's he had a couple of shots where the defender's hand was literally blinding his face, and he was just knocking him down. Like, there's nothing you can do. What I'm taking from this series is two things. One, Houston can play with them, which is obvious after play, playing seven hard-fought games with them last year. But they got to stop whining, bitching, and complaining because Harden and Paul are very well-known for that. And Draymond Green, I thought, had one of the great quotes. He's like, listen, I've been fouled on a James Harden three before, which means, yeah, he's very notorious for kicking his leg out, and he's established this. All right, Draymond. Nobody bitches more than Draymond. Totally agree, but... I think that he's right in saying that. He's right that. in this instance, Because, Absolutely. listen, Harden initiates more contact than anybody else in the league. And he gets a lot of calls because it looks very it looks very appealing and he's great. And he's, going, he's earned the right to get a lot of those calls. But on those ticky-tack calls, and also for the people that are saying, you know, oh, you got to give him space for landing. I know this seemed to be the point of conversation during Can't March Madness feet when he jumps forward right in March you know with the uh with the three-point shot that ended up ruining Auburn season and your cheaters that was not allowing a guy space okay now you have a clear situation where Harden's kicking his leg out there initiating contact trying to sell the foul I give the refs credit listen there's going to be there's going to be calls and the NBA came out yesterday morning right after it playing Monday morning quarterback saying yeah we missed a couple calls but none were on the heart none of them were the hardened three uh, at the end of the game there. Steph hit a big three even if he's a little banged up he's going to do that. That's another thing I wanted to talk about you put in Nene I don't know why there was a dead ball I don't remember if it was a foul or it was a turnover put in Nene he gave you a couple big minutes. But why is he in there in that situation? I mean, you know he's going to get... I could have told you that when they inbounded the ball. Nene's going to get switched on to Steph, and Steph's going to cook him and hit hit a dagger three. And that's exactly what happened. Why is someone that's not more capable... I'm not saying that Steph wouldn't hit that shot. He's done it to everybody. But why is someone that's not more capable of guarding Steph Curry in on that possession? Period. Good question. Yeah, it made no sense. None. You don't put him in for defense. What's he going to do? You have Capella as a rim protector. I, I don't understand. Yeah, with it. the Warriors, you don't need to play rim protector. You need to play perimeter protector. Absolutely. Yeah. It's it was it was baffling to me, yeah. and that was, I think, uh, D'Antoni's biggest biggest error by far. Yeah, and the two things that I took away from this, just to finish my point from before, the Rockets need to stop whining and complaining. They need to deal with it. Listen, there. This has been a very anti-referee postseason. That doesn't look good for the league. You know, you got my GM and Sean Marks going into their locker room to to talk to them, and we said about it. You know, that might look good to free agents, but that doesn't look good to the league. It makes you look like a crybaby. And if you're trying to come up and be that next team, 
bitching, whining, and complaining about not getting calls, whether that series was fairly called or not is irrelevant. You're not going to win battles doing it that way. You got DeMar DeRozan literally throwing the ball at the ref and getting ejected. That's abuse of a referee. You can't do that. And the referees, I think, for the most part, have done a pretty good job of understanding the heightened emotions of these games and saying, and you know, not just teeing guys up left and right, but you can't allow the Patrick Beverly KD shit to happen. You got to toss those guys both. You know, KD whines a lot too. Obviously, Draymond. But this is a Rockets thing. Stop whining, complaining. You want to take down the Giant? Don't don't go that bad from three. Don't have Nene guarding Steph in the in the perimeter in the closing seconds of a game. And then right now, obviously, Kevin Durant's playing at a level that it's just he's not going to be stopped if he plays at this level. He is absolutely remarkable. So let's go to the final series that's happening out west. And is anybody paying attention to the series? I mean, it's Denver and Portland. Portland finishing off. We didn't talk about that Dame Lillard dagger, and we didn't talk about Den- cold blooded. Yep, and we didn't talk about Denver taking down um, San Antonio in Game Seven, which I said would happen, even though I was teetering. Good job by you. But good karma. Good job by you. That's right. Um, the Nuggets won this game. Good. Murray had a really Great. Murray had a really really good game. I think the Blazers will be back, but I don't know. This is like the true TV version of the NBA playoffs. Like it's late, it's on, you know, when no one else is watching. And I think part of what's wrong, and again, unless you're a real NBA head, like I will watch the series because I like Jamal Murray, I like Jokic, not staying up for these games to start at 10:30 at night. I mean, what I want to see in the Western Finals is what's happening in that other series that we just talked about. Yep. So I, you know, I think that this feels like the. Duke Michigan State game in the Elite Eight that should have been a Final Four game. You know, mm-hmm. like that's just when I feel like the Rockets and Warriors should be playing, but that's not the case. Um, we'll see what happens in that Nuggets Blazers series. I could see the Blazers winning in six, but listen, they're already down 0 1, so I don't know. It's again just how much is Dame Lillard and McCollum going to carry these guys, and is Jokic and Jamal Murray and the rest of that supporting cast going to be able to fend them off and win? Um, I mean, obviously, you got to give Denver a whole lot of credit for taking down San Antonio. Absolutely. So, I guess you're not going to watch much of that series. I'm going to try and stay I don't know who way is. past my bedtime. Other than the real NBA like diehards. I, I mean, I'll I catch would, the highlights. I I'll put, be all in. I but. would put myself in that category. And I'm going to try and stay up way past my bedtime till at least halftime, depending on the score. See how that goes. See if Dame Lillard can pull anything out of his ass. And speaking of Dame Lillard, who is your playoff MVP so far? It's KD. Me too. It's got to be KD. I mean, Lillard, I guess people are talking because he went toe-to-toe with Russ. Russ hasn't been out of the first round. Oh, he didn't years. go toe-to-toe with Russ. He embarrassed He dominated Russ. him. Yeah. He dominated and, him. And, and if it wasn't for KD playing at the level that he's playing at, I think it would be Dame. Dame stole the show a little bit and stole, and stole the headlines with that big-time see-you-later game-winning series-ending shot. KD's body of work right now is just incredible. He can do whatever he wants. He's literally unguardable, and there's not too many people in the league that you can say that about. Can't say that about Harden right now at this point, and you can't say that about Giannis right now at this no. point. No, but you can say it about Durant. Hell yeah. He will look good for the Knicks next year. Absolutely, man. Good karma all around. Good vibes, good vibes. All right, so let's move on to some MLB. KD is um, our unanimous playoff MVP. The Yankees. Um, wow. They are banged up, to say the least. Yeah. Yet, Just a little bit. they continue to figure out different, weird ways to win. So, I just... Re- Gary Sanchez is hot. 
Yes. Well, Sanchez just came back on uh, Thursday, of la- Wednesday of last week. So he, he was the first of the cavalry to come back. And uh, I wrote an article that we're going to be running on sorrysports.com about this current Yankees run. And what I took away from it is a couple things, man. I mean, first of all, it's kind of the perfect storm, right? Like, they're playing just god-awful teams. And I know we said that when they lost two of three to the Orioles to start the season and when they lost two of three to the White Sox. But they take three of four from the Royals to finish up that series. And then they go out west. I watched a lot of those games. The Angels suck. And then I watched all of that Giants series. And, God, that team is terrible. There's no one who can pitch. There's no one who can field. There's no one who can hit. I mean, these are terrible teams. I mean, same with the Angels. The Yankees take three or four. Should have won all four. They had a 4 nothing lead in the last game. That was one of those just kind of Tanaka, I don't really care kind of games that, you know, we've seen plenty of times. Got to deal with it for the playoffs. Exactly. And, and, you know, just tell them it's Boston, Fenway Park in September, and he'd be fine. But it's not. It's Anaheim in April. So That's the reverse Kyle Lowry. Yes. That's what we call that. <laughs> there you go. I like that. Um, and then you're getting just really good production and they're playing a different style of baseball, which you have to, when you don't have guys, you know, you had Sanchez finally come back, but before that it was Romine and Higashioka at catcher. I mean, you're running, they signed Cameron Mabin to play some outfield. You've got Mike Ford splitting first base with Voight, who just won, Voight that is, won the AL Player of the Week. So congrats to him. He has stolen that first base job. We will never see Greg Bird again. Whoa. Um, No, come on. We're not. That's my guy, man. That's a nice Don Mattingly. What the fuck? Yeah, I'm sorry. If it was 2016-15, I would have been really upset (laughs) saying that. Um then you got Gio Urshela, who's hitting like 350, playing gold glove gold third glove, base. Yeah. I love him at third base. Now, he had his hand. Uh, he was hit by a pitch. He's not playing tonight, but he's day-to-day, and he was hitting in the cage earlier. DJ LeMahieu is one of the best signings of the entire offseason. I don't know if it's whether it's just because I didn't really see him play that much in Colorado, and I'm just seeing him play every day now. I always knew he was a really good player, and we liked him, even though it wasn't Machado. This guy reminds me a lot of another kind of Yankees DJ Derek Jeter I'm talking about from a hitting stylistically approach Thank what I like about that is because you don't talk about you don't talk about the goal no like but he hits the ball the other way he is a Absolutely. pure contact guy he is amazing with runners in scoring position he never tries to do too much and in this era I mean even with the great hitting like Judge and Stanton and Sanchez and even Voight you know it's nice to have a guy that's not thinking home run and he is a legitimate 300 plus hitter plays gold glove second base where he's now been Torres has played really good at shortstop Clint Frazier who was raking then he gets hurt what did I say what did I say it's crazy and he's working his way back they said he's going to be back in about three four days no but I mean it's like Jesus Christ all this guy's doing is hitting and he gets hurt so they signed Cameron Mabin I think he'll be back soon yeah they said this weekend yep Tyler Wade playing some left field I mean, Gardner's had a couple of really nice games as of late. Wade's been good. Very instrumental to yep. that one. Then Angels they call win. up. Yeah. And then they call Still up. Tyra, a big base. Yep. Then they call up Dairo Estrada and he has six hits in 11 at bats. I mean, it's crazy what this team is doing, not to mention absurdly good starting pitching. Most notably from Hap, who's turned his 
you know, bad start around with two straight gems against the Angels and Giants, and that's usually what you should do against those teams. Paxton's been phenomenal. CeCe's going for his 3,000th strikeout tonight. He hit a bit of a bumpy start in Anaheim, but before that, he was 10 scoreless innings. Lights out. He's pitching to a 2-4 ERA. Yep. Tanaka is Tanaka. And then Domingo Herman is, I can't believe I'm saying this, literally pitching about as well as you could have asked Luis Severino to be pitching right now. And again, he's pitched against terrible competition, but you can tell he is not a comfortable at bat. The bullpen needs to be better. Chad Green did get sent down. Jonathan Holders looked a little bit better. Canely's looked good. Britain seems to be turning it around. Ottavino's filthy, and Chapman's looked really good with the exception of that one game. Not to mention Batances coming back. I don't know, man. Ever. It's looking like July. I mean, he's around. That's a shoulder impingement. I mean, that's not ever a good thing. So right now, the guys who are supposed to be performing seem to be rounding into form. Sanchez is back, hit a big grand slam on Saturday, hit another two-run shot the other day. Um the rest of the Cavalry is on their way back. Tulowitzki and Andujar are both playing down in uh, single A today on rehab games. They could both be back by the weekend. Stanton's joining the team in New York this weekend. Uh, he's supposed to vamp up his um, his conditioning and, and his rehab from his shoulder. Clint Frazier is supposed to be back too. I think that one thing, though, is this Yankee run, yeah, it's against terrible teams, but you can make a very good case against – Looking at the just on paper, the other teams, the Yankees are not much better on paper than a lot of these other teams, even how bad they are. That goes to not show the Yankees have literally reached into every single person on their 40 man roster. And I think this is a really fun feeling because, listen, when Stanton comes up and doesn't, it, when he does something great, it's not, yeah, it's cool, it's fun, but he's expected to do that. You don't expect Mike Ford or Mike Talkman to come up and hit a, and hit a two-run home run down one. You don't expect Tyler Wade to work a nine-pitch walk, steal second, and score from first on a single. You know, these are guys, Thyro Estrada coming up with the, with the bases loaded with two outs and knocking a single through the right side. These are things that you don't expect because you don't even expect these guys to be here. Gio Urshela playing the way he is. The Yankees, by the way, need to find a way to keep him on this team. I think if Andujar does come back, thank God, pray God that he does. You're going to want to rest that shoulder. I could see there being a lot of cases where Andujar plays six innings and then they take him out. And... Urshela comes in, you know he can handle the bat, he's proven that, and he plays gold glove caliber third base. His glove has never been the issue. I remember watching the, from him the first time when he was with the Indians, I was like, this guy can pick it. This guy is an electric defender. I hope they find a way to keep him. And if they're starting pitching pitches like this, and the back end of that bullpen pitch as well, they this is a team that's going to win win you some ball games. But this has been a fun little run. They're nine and they're ten and one in their last eleven games. Absolutely insane. I can't believe it. I guess we can remove our hands and place a panic button to the side for a couple weeks. They're seventeen and eleven right now. I like to see. And again, they've they've played terrible teams, but you've got to play and beat who's out in front of you, and they have. And I'm gonna say this, and we we called for it. And who knows, but I, I'm giving a lot of credit to Aaron Boone here because in this day of managing, and we've talked about this at nauseum, I don't know what the fuck to give managers credit for. I'm not giving Alex Cora a whole lot of credit for winning last year. And I'm not giving Boone a lot of shit for not winning last year. I think that obviously in this analytic driven world, decisions are made. Players are put in positions where they're supposed to execute. If they don't, 
it's not the manager's fault, but you know, there's gotta be a scapegoat and the manager's often the one to do it. And Boone looks has always looked very passive, kind of just chilling there in the dugout. Whatever he has done behind closed doors, this attitude of next man up has really worked. And I'm just saying, if there's not a positive culture, especially once Judge went down in that dugout and in that clubhouse, when guys are just going down left and right and you've got to play and you don't have off days, that's on the manager. Because there has been an infectious kind of attitude with this team and it's not sustainable I mean we kind of fell in love I remember that 2013 Yankee team that had like Vernon Wells Travis Hafner Kevin Euclid uh Lyle Overbay and they got off to a pretty nice start they were playing well all the way through May into early June I was like wow I kind of like this team and then they fell off and then they were showing why that no other team had them or were willing to pay them to go away and that was a te- one of those terrible seasons that we look back terrible in a year where they won like 87 games but that was not a fun team to, to look at, you know, every day. But for right now, in a short sample size, we can enjoy what this team has done. And they've been fun to watch because you don't have positive expectations. If they were 11 and 17, you'd be like, yeah, that makes sense. So I've enjoyed watching them. And they're finishing off two games here in Arizona. And then they get to come home. And the reinforcements are starting to come back. Yeah, man, definitely. So for the Yankees and Boone, just keep it rolling. Keep it rolling. Next man up. Good karma, good vibes all around. That's what this pod is all about. That's right. Good karma, good vibes. Why don't we move on to our final segment? Well, first things first, before we go into the final segment, which everybody's looking forward to, I just want to talk about this. Vlad Jr. got called up by the Toronto Blue Jays. The most hyped, seemingly the most hyped prospect arrival in recent memory. Probably since Harper. Yeah, probably since Harper. And I got to say, this guy's got to lose some weight. But holy shit, he is a monster. And this is so fun. Uh, we don't, we're not going to talk about it now, but we'll, we'll do it for another pod. I'll, I'm probably going to write an article about it because I'm, I'm feeling passionate about this. We're at a point right now where the young talent of like under 26-year-olds in baseball, 26 and younger, I, I, I'm just as a historian of the game. I've never seen it. This is this is up there with some of the best generations how of talent. Is, how old is Bellinger? 24? He's like 24 years old, 23 years old. I mean, he's leading the NL and every him and Yelich are I was going to say, and then you have like your elder statesmen of like your Yeliches, Trouts, Stantons, Judges, all under 20, all 28 or younger. It's, it's absurd to me how good the pipeline is for these teams and how many more young players are still waiting to come? It, you got Fernando Tatis Jr. in the National League, and now Vlad Jr. in the AL. I mean, it's it's ridiculous. I, I if he didn't play for the Blue Jays, and knowing that he could directly impact a couple of Yankee games for us, I would want to watch this guy just rake against everybody. Yeah, because I think he's going to be. Just an incredibly special player. Obviously, his name speaks for himself with his father being one of the best players that we grew up watching. Um, Hall of Famer. Absolutely. So I thought that was a notable point of conversation. And as you know, this was obviously an NFL draft-heavy pod. NBA playoffs are going on. we got to talk Yanks. But Vlad Jr. coming up, I mean, we're going to have to talk a lot around the league soon because what's going on with the young talent infusion in baseball I think is so great for the sport. 
Yeah, and that rookie of the year race just got a little more interesting as well. Oh, yes. All right, so let's move on to our favorite segment, and that is obviously Thrones Porn brought to you by SorrySports.com. Sean, big episode this week. From oh, what yeah. I've, from what I've seen, because you know I watch the show. Yeah. The biggest, longest fight scene in the history of cinema. This isn't cinema. Whatever. In the history of well, who sang television? I heard it was the longest fight scene ever. That's well, what I heard. Okay, well, ever is a is a very strong thing on television, okay. like period on a screen, longer than any movie, and for one period of time, longer than any movie or any TV show. That's how epic this fight scene was. So and so died, and so and so died, and so and so fucked, and so and so died, and there was a bunch of dragon beads. Was there or, fucking and dying at the same time? Yes, awesome. there was, and dragon beads got got glass got spilt. And now wow. it's not that valuable anymore because the, uh, the the purple walkers or whatever they're called, they're dead. And you don't need the, White the walkers, dragon. White walkers, I think they are. The dragon beads or the glass to kill them anymore. So that's going to be readily available. It's going to be a, it's going to be free now. It's, mm. It was it was it was worth more than gold before. Uh, um, but the big fight scene happened. And uh, so what'd you think? Well, uh, Arya Stark was trending on Bleacher Report. So something big happened there. Um, yeah, and you know what's crazy? Um, and, and I guess I wasn't really affected by this because I don't give a goddamn about the Avengers or Game of Thrones. But if you Thrones if, porn, yeah, Thrones porn. If you are into either of those things happening, and you did not see that the second it happened, either Avengers or Game of Thrones, you basically have to shut your life off. Yes. You can't read the paper. You can't even read the fucking paper, so, much less social media or talk to someone. Okay. Because the spoilers are all over the place. I am it must so be happy so you brought that up. Hard. Because here's here's how I feel about the whole thing. Now, two weeks ago, our first edition of Thrones Porn, we wanted to talk everybody off the ledge of who didn't watch it. Don't worry. Your life's going to be fine. You know, it's, wow. it's okay. It's okay. We're going to get through this, and your life will be fine. And then last week, I told people to live out of a refrigerator box. I remember that, too. Um, that was a strong take. But, you know, for everybody that's bitching and moaning about spoilers and this and spoilers that, if you're a real fan, and we know some real fans, you were watching on Sunday night. Now, the Avengers are a little different because it's a movie, and if, you want yeah, it. And sold you want it. You can't get tickets. Right. You can't get and, tickets. You, and also, it's a whole scheduling thing, right? You've got to... Find the time during the week where you can go and make a day of it. Apparently, it's about three hours long. Yeah, I heard that too. You, you Holy can, shit. You can, you I know. I can't even watch a baseball game. Find your way to stay out of it and, and, and get there ASAP. But for Game of Thrones, it's on Sunday nights. Believe it's at eight or nine? Nine. Okay. Everybody who's a fan is making sure that they're at the TV watching that it's like watching a world series game or a super bowl i'm not asking people to not talk about the super bowl or the nfc championship game the next day if i didn't watch it that's on me and if i find out what happened then apparently i wasn't a big enough fan to watch it if i'm a giants fan and i missed the giants win super bowl 42 and people are talking about how tyree caught the ball and i'm saying well i don't want to hear it i'm wrong everyone else is not these Game of Thrones fans that didn't watch it for whatever other reason, if something serious happened, I am very sorry for you and I hope everything's okay. But if you just missed it or fell asleep or watched something else or DVR'd it and we're planning on watching it Monday, 
and you didn't turn off all social media and lock yourself in your house, that's on you. Stop, you know, lashing out at everybody else. Your life is going to be fine. Stop it with the spoilers. Everybody's going to talk about it because it was watched by 15 million people simultaneously. If you're not one of those 15 million and you call yourself a fan, you're a fraud. Fraud, I say. Big time coming from a fraud yourself. No, I watch the ba- the Bama games. Well, you're still a fraud for being a Bama fan, but not I guess the not same a, thing. I watch the game. You're not a double fraud. No, I watch the games. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you. Everybody out there that bitches about the spoilers, you're a fucking fraud. You're not welcome on the pod. Don't even ask. And you know what? Don't write for the website either. Yeah, don't even write into the website. Email sorrysports at yahoo.com if you want to put up an article. Uh, Twitter at sorry sports. Yeah, or yell at us about Thrones porn. Yes. Um, I hope you but guys. But we're still right. Absolutely. And I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I actually have plans for next week. I don't know if Sean's down for it. I mentioned it to him before we come on the pod. We are. We may or may not watch the next episode of Thrones and do a little bit of a recap on it. I think we and have. I think to. it'll be pretty funny because. I mean, I'm obviously we both watch it, so we're gonna know what we're talking about, and we're gonna be able to recap it. Yeah, it's gonna be the probably the most professional analysis that you can get right after. You're gonna say, "Oh my god, the most passionate Game of Thrones fans not only watch this, but they're gonna do a pod about it." Well, they must listen. Absolutely, absolutely. But Might even do be... it from the refrigerator box. Whoa, big time, big time! All right, so we'll be back. Check out Sean's article. Check out Mike Phillips' articles that are that is already up. We may be back later in the week with a surprise pod. Don't know yet. Got to get Frenchy on we, too. Absolutely. Frenchy will be coming on soon, and we will be back next week with another Monday rundown. Everybody enjoy the rest of your week, and uh, have a good one. Take care.